G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I remember one night with a little bag and I hadn't showered in like a week and a half or something because I had nowhere to go. And I basically, um, I yelled at the sky. I don't remember yelling. It wasn't nice either, (laughs) but I spoke out. But I I basically said and challenged God and I said, if you're real, then help me and get me out of this mess. Why won't you help me? How could you let me get to this point, you know? How could you let me get here? I'm, I'm dead, you know? G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Joseph Biro, the ex-lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Super Heist. As we heard last time, Super Heist was Joseph's favourite band, and through a series of events, he became their lead singer. So he pretty much thought that this was his dream come true, heaven on earth. But unfortunately, that dream became somewhat of a nightmare as he tried to fill up the emptiness in his heart with drugs and the rock and roll party lifestyle. Sadly, this only led to heartache and he sank deeper and deeper into an addiction. So he went from the highest of heights to the lowest of lows and living on the streets. And then he finally called out to God for help. Now, here's more of Joseph Biro sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo. I didn't want to leave. I was seriously wanted to take my life. I would rather have been dead than going through what I was going through. Mm. You know, the delusions and the people and the manipulation and the game, which is what people call it, was just out of control. You know, there was guns, there was lots of money, there was chemicals, there was um, people going missing. You know, this is the lifestyle that I'd come into. You know, um, my choices had literally started to define me Mm. um, in a way that death was looking pretty pretty good mm. you know to I mean, that's yeah that's how twisted your thinking had become mm. how did god finally enter so um so that cry out mm. um that challenge yeah um he definitely not, not very respectful but you're a call out to god nonetheless <laughs> definitely he, not. he understands i believe yeah he does he's got big shoulders <laughs> yeah you know? yeah um so i went to a, a detox uh, we had a plan for detox which has been my third attempt at detoxing and staying well so i went in to get assessed and uh the lady said to me look um we can only get you into a detox if you follow up with a rehab so there's no point doing detox um we're starting to find people doing detox and they're not going on to rehab so you just can't use this place as a holiday camp mm-hmm. uh, we want to see people succeed which mm-hmm. is good yeah so she said, oh, I've got this place, it's a six-month wait. I rang, six-month wait. This place, it's a four-month wait. This mm. place, it's a three-month wait. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, if I keep using, I'm going to die. Like, mm. I still now struggle with my jaw clenching. I've been clean five years. Mm. I still now struggle with that. I still struggle sleeping. Mm. Not just one night, every night. You know, I've done damage, mm. you know. And um, so, basically... She said, there is one place, it's a Christian place. And she looked at me like, 
shaking her head like, you're not interested in that, are you? You know? <laughs> I know and, you're not interested in this, but there is this Christian place. <laughs> is that kind of what it was? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, so there's no medication, no smoking, and, the, and it's a working re- rehabilitation. It's pretty strict. And, and I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I really don't care what I have to do. I'm going to do it. Let's, let's do it. You know? Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, well, I'll ring you when we've got a bed, you know? So I contacted Pastor Lewis, who's the director of Rima. Australia, and he came to the detox to visit me, and I had an interview with him, and he saw something in me that he could work with. So I got a bed, and I began my journey, you know, um, right there. Um, what, do, what do you think he saw in you? Brokenness. Yeah, someone who's desperate. But uh, yet, he obviously thought you were worth investing time in, and there was something there. Yeah. He saw something in me that I definitely didn't see. I guess he saw the hope that he knew was out there that I didn't know about mm. at that time. Okay, so then next thing you know, you're in this Christian rehab. Yeah. How did that go for you? Oh, man, it was... Pretty tough? It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. But, you know, I needed it. Mm. I needed it, Eric. I really needed it. I needed structure. Mm-hmm. I needed to wake up in the morning. And I needed to do different things because for so long I've been doing the same thing and I'd stuck in this rut mm-hmm. of I'm hopeless because I, I, I was stuck in this rut of hopelessness mm. uh, pattern of mm-hmm. just bad decisions, you know. And this addiction that was so strong, holding so strong onto me that I wanted to go on but I, I couldn't shake it off, you know. So it was hard. No smoking, difficult. So through the program, I snuck cigarettes in. <laughs> you know, I was still smoked. rebellious. <laughs> I was still rebellious, you yeah. know, and and I still am some days. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, <laughs> not, I'm not perfect, and, and no one is. And the the most profound thing I, I, I'll never forget this. Um, the first time I heard someone preach the gospel, my ears pricked up like antennas. Man, <laughs> you had never heard that before. No, no, not like this. Hmm. Not like this, and. Something was different this time. I was just, I was all ears, you know, and my soul was awakened, you know, and as soon as I heard the gospel, as soon as I heard someone preach Jesus with passion and with brokenness, I was able to say, hey, this guy's a Christian, he's so happy, but I just saw brokenness in him, you know, wow, I just... There's brokenness there, you know, and I was just like, oh. how was he broken? Like, was he talking about his past, or what do you mean he there was brokenness in him? I could I could just see it, you know. I could see that he'd had an emptiness before, and that what he was talking about had somehow been the answer to his brokenness. To his brokenness, mm-hmm. and I don't even I can't even explain it right mm-hmm. now properly. But well, I, I have heard somebody say, never stray too far from your own brokenness. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how you stay humble mm. and grateful. That's exactly it. That's if I could put it. And it seems like that. you saw that in him. Yeah. He, he he was well aware of his own mm. human frailty and failings. Yeah, definitely. He was a very humble guy and, and um, he's a loving guy. He was a missionary, ex-heroin addict, ex-crack addict. Um, all these guys at Remar were ex-drug mm. addicts, you know. So they, they were down the path. Yeah, they were being they there. They knew. Every one of them. So. Yeah. I had four guys around me. They were all Spanish and Portuguese, and they were tough, man. They were tough. So I was like, 
or everything inside me, Eric was just bubbling, <laughs> and I just wanted to, I wanted to snap, you know, at these guys, and I wanted to throw down the towel and quit and run away like I always did before, mm-hmm. and took the easy way out like I always did before, mm-hmm. and my character was was always horrible, you see. So I had no integrity. My yes would never be a yes, mm. and all of a sudden I started to get through this the word of God and, and through starting to read it myself and listening to um, the ministry of the word of God was starting to just it was starting to grab me you know and this Jesus um, I just wanted to know him a bit more hmm. you know I seem to know everyone else you know quite well but this Jesus I didn't know hmm. you know and someone gave me a scripture that, that, that in Ephesians 6 speaks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and when I read that it's like Jesus came and said, I'm going to show you that you're the problem. I'm going to show you how you caused the problem. <laughs> and I'm going to show you how to get out and become the solution. And I'm going to be the king hmm. of your life. And I'm going to coach you. And I, I found hope. I found hope, man, for the first time in so long. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then, what was the next step on your journey? So, when I came to Rima, um, all my musical instruments that I'd gathered over time had all been stolen from me or I'd hocked them. Um, and my, my dad and brother chucked in and buy me an acoustic, you know. And when I was in detox, I would play that. And my idea of healing would be that I would go to rehab on a farm in a picturesque place and that my guitar would be my God and that it would uh, I would write beautiful music to inspire humanity. <laughs> and um, when I got to Rima, they took it from me, that guitar, you know, and I was so gutted, you know. Mm. <laughs> and Why did they take it from you? So they took it off me to see where I was at with mm. um, obedience and mm. submission. That was a test. It was a test to see whether I was seriously ready to do it another way or do it my way. Mm. And praise God, I gave it over. Struggled to give it over, but I gave it over. Then how how it all became, I guess, deeper, this faith thing became real, was when I got my guitar given back to me, the condition was that I would learn Christian songs. Oh. <laughs> and the songs that I... But were you a Christian yet? Um I was hanging around the the cusp, you know. Okay. I knew uh, some scriptures. You were at the edge of the shore, but you didn't jump in. Yeah, man. I had. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was like knee deep, you know, maybe okay. even ankle deep. Who knows? Okay. Somewhere in the water, but yeah, not over your head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you go into the beach and, and you don't want to go to a certain depth because it's really yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah, probably that depth. I don't know. <laughs> maybe a few toes in the water. We'll say that. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. getting closer. But getting closer. So I remember learning. Well, what caused you to dive in? Um, the word came alive to me. I, I remember Pastor Lewis preached a word and he said, the greatest prayer, and God will always answer it, is Lord have mercy on me. So I remember writing, every single time someone would share the word, I would write notes i was journaling i was expressing stuff i was i was i found this new joy you know um and i went back to my room that night i remember specifically and i prayed that prayer you know lord have mercy on me you know and i 
for such the first time in such a long time, I cried and I cried mm. and I cried and I cried and I cried. And I remember the flashbacks of everything that I'd done. Everything that I'd done came. The way I was to my mother, the way I was to my family, the way I was to beautiful people that love me and cherish me and help me through life, the way I, I spat in their face, the way I betrayed people, the way I contributed to people's pain, everything flashed before me, you know. My grandparents' death, the whole lot, and my condition at that time was horrible. And then I remember hearing these words, you're forgiven, and I cried, and I cried, mm. and I cried, and I cried, and I just kept, I just continued to do that. Mm. I reckon, for, honestly, for an hour, and I fell asleep, um, crying. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Joseph Byro, the former lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Super Heist. And as we just heard, he finally broke down and surrendered his life to the Lord. Next, we'll find out the exciting things God is doing in his life, how he's using his musical background and his experience going through drug rehab. He's now using all of that for the glory of God these days. We'll find out how when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with Eric Scadabo chatting with Joseph Byro. He's the ex-lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Super Heist. We just heard before the break how he surrendered his life to the Lord while at a drug rehab centre. Now we're going to find out the exciting things that are happening in his life since that point. The Holy Spirit was teaching me so fast Mm. and the leaders began to see that I'd been given a gift, you know. Wow, so you just took to, you'd read it and you were able to turn around and teach it, um, the word? In about six months of me being in the program, uh, they asked me if I would share in the mornings, one morning um, for half an hour in the morning at our devotional time, to which I said yes, because I was getting heaps of stuff. I'd written pages and pages, what I now call illumination of the word of God, you know, and uh, I was getting this, just this light bulb moments were coming on and I was just mm. like, wow. wow. And so the Holy Spirit is just pouring onto your heart and to your soul. Big time. Yeah. Huge, in a huge way. Mm. And, you know, and, and then the guitar came back and then um, the worship team started getting and understanding that I had a gift of music. Hey, this guy used to be in this group super host. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually made one of the guys go, there's no way he's coming in the worship team because oh, he's, right? he's a rock star attitude, you know? <laughs> yeah, ego. we don't need that guy. <laughs> yeah, man. The ego would get in the way, you know? And um, I think he's been a bit broken since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, so I began getting responsibility at that place. Um, I'd gone home after three months on my first home visit. Um, I didn't go and use. I came back. I was hungry to go back, hungry to learn more. I was excited about Jesus. I was telling my family about Jesus, to which they were not listening to one single word because <laughs> here I am like this rifled you know, addict with rage, and then now I'm talking about Jesus, and now I'm you know, starting to preach the word to my family at home, and they're just like, I'm not buying this, you know, not yet. <laughs> so, so they, they needed to see a little bit of time before they would. Yeah, definitely. they want to make sure that 
you had really changed. Yeah, that's right. So um, I guess long story short now to sort of just wrap it up in a nutshell. Um, so I became um, a teacher there. Then I got nights, so an hour teaching at night eventually. So in, was, a, in a sense, you graduated from the rehab. Yeah. So you were clean yeah. by that point. Yeah, I was clean by that point. Um, I was teaching Tuesday night, uh, once a fortnight every Tuesday night. Teaching the Bible. Teaching the Bible. And it was amazing. It's like, uh, it's like it was, wasn't even me speaking. It was incredible, you know. And You just I, felt the Holy Spirit was speaking through you? Is that what yeah. you're getting at? Yeah. One of the one of the t- teachers, Juan Carlos, came up to me and he said, Brother, you need to go to your room and put your face on the ground and humble yourself and thank God for the gift he's given you. Because a lot of these guys here, um, there's stuff going on in the spiritual and they're upset with you because of... Oh, you were convicting people. Yeah, they're upset with you, you know. And I just thought, okay. Um, God didn't understand really what he meant then, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I was also, by that stage, leading the worship team. So I was in the worship team. Oh, wow. Leading the worship team. Um, and Which is kind of ironic since when you were a rock star, you didn't barely know how to play the guitar. <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, through my addiction, I picked up little bits and pieces you know yeah, yeah um and then yeah so i was leading the worship team i completed 23 months um and, and jeff marsh by the way says yeah. you're really good at it yeah um it's just a it's a blessing you know and a privilege to be called a worship leader is just so it's massive mm-hmm. and so and music is back in your life it is yeah it is but this time in a special more positive way a healthy way yeah oh definitely definitely so um it, it's. I've been writing very recently. I've got a few songs that I've compiled through the, the scriptures, and um, yeah, I'm excited about sharing that with a group of people that I'm yet to know mm-hmm. um, in the future. But yeah, I mean the the way Remar ended was I spent 23 months in the program. I spent seven months outside Remar after I left Remar, all clean time, never used again. Mm-hmm. Still haven't used since the first day I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, did mental health and alcohol and other drugs certificate for, um, went back to Rima, got ordained as a, as a deacon, mm-hmm. um, or as a co-pastor, whatever you want to call it. And oh, great. then spent two and a half years there teaching, leading the, the rehab under pastor laws. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Kicking yeah. goals. Well, yeah. Kicking goals for, kicking calls for Christ, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, our recent guest, Jeff Marsh, yeah. somehow entered your life as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he did. Um, I'd known Jeff for three years. We'd mm-hmm. met at a place called uh, Cafe Care uh, uh, in Clayton, and we we just clicked straight away. You know, mm-hmm. there was a, a boldness that he had that I saw that I wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be alongside him because he wasn't a man pleaser. He spoke convicting words and I know a lot of people were offended when he spoke and I was just like I like offended this guy offended in a good way you like yeah, this guy yeah I like this guy <laughs> he's just he says it how it is and there's no sugarcoating um, mm. he's just speaking out truth and he's passionate and he loves Jesus and I just see his right leg shaking and he's got the full he's full of the Holy Spirit he's full of the Holy Ghost I just love him and I just connected straight away and um, and he says he doesn't like public speaking yeah, well, if you saw him speak publicly, you'd probably think different. But I'm sure inside, there's a, a battle of a, a young young boy in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> but he's um, he's an awesome public speaker, and so many people um, respect him and you know love him. Yeah, yeah. And what are you doing these days? So, um, 
about I don't know, three months ago, I left Remar. God had called me out to move. I am getting married in two weeks. To um, wow, congratulations! Thank you so much. You know, um, thanks so much, and really, it really, I, I'm in a surreal position again because I, I actually can't believe how good God has been. Mm. Um, He's faithful beyond anything I can understand. So now I'm working alongside Jeff Marsh in Elijah Care. And I understand that you took a break from the workday, you and his son Dan, yeah. and listened to his story That's right. on this program. We did. We did. <laughs> we did and it came up great. We just want to say how- Heard it in the car. We heard it in the car. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just moved by um, the beautiful story. I, I mean, I've heard it a few times, but it was different. Hmm. It was different this time. Yeah, he was very vulnerable. Yeah, and uh, what a guy! Yeah. A great just guy. love him to death. I mean, he's so real and has such a heart for wanting to help broken people because he's been through that, mm. and that's why I think he connects with people like you and Danny and Brooke Sharp, etc. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, he's he's a man that is getting continually attacked, you know, mm. because he's not afraid mm. to go out there and speak and convict. You know, he loves the bride. He's, he calls it the precious bride. Talking about the church? Yeah. Um, and he, he goes out there and he just says, I can, f- I feel this at the moment. I'm just going to say this. And he says it and things happen. So you're being used by the Lord. Now, technically your title is what? Um, I'm just, a, I'm a servant. Yeah. Um, really. Well, I mean your job description. <laughs> um, so I guess basically uh, you could call me now as, um, I guess pastor in a way. And you're helping out. Yeah, so my my role is to teach the word. Um, my role is to sit beside and walk with broken people, to take the division of cultures away and bring a unity in the cultures in the in the chin in the chin community with the Australians. See that, that, that we work with refugees, mm-hmm. um, and these guys have a serious depression in their past, you know, and they come into a country where. Um, Australia was so free. Mm. Everyone's just like, "Hey, man, it's cool. Take it easy. Relax. Chill out." You know, and they they just don't they don't understand that. So, mm. uh, my God given job is to I can feel the Lord pressing on me is to take away that divide mm. and bring together such a beautiful unity. You know, and uh, only the gospel can do that. When they see that mm. Australians understand the gospel, because um, they know the gospel mm. real well. Um, when they understand that Australians know the gospel and it's not about us or our identity or who we are, what we have done, and, and it solely goes onto who he, Jesus is and what he's done, now that they understand that we know that, mm. oh man, there's been such a shift, mm. you know, and they love us. Mm. Now, we began this conversation talking about the emptiness inside mm. that you had. Yeah. Now you've gone through so many experiences, put your faith in Jesus Christ teaching others the word of God, about to get married. Mm. It sounds like you finally found fulfillment. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I found wholeness, you know. Um, I wake up every morning and I know why I'm alive. Um, when I sing, I sing to one. Um, when I lead, I lead everyone to one. My eyes are on him. My heart is his. Um, I've gone from literally from being captive to being captivated in, mm. in Christ and what he's done. And, and I just, I glory in that every day, you know. I like uh, that line. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> You've gone from being captive to being captivated. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Joseph Byro, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Well, that was the conclusion of our two-part conversation with Joseph Byro, the ex-lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Super Heist. And as we heard, exciting things are coming his way. He already had a special gift for music, and now he has also been blessed with a special gift for teaching God's Word. Amazing. He's now working at Elisha Care, the ministry to broken people that was founded by our recent guest, Jeff Marsh. If you'd like to invite Joseph to share his story and teach the Bible at your church or organisation, you can contact him through Elisha Care. Their website is elishacare.org. That's elishacare.org. Well, Joseph has been on quite a roller coaster ride in his life, full of highs and lows, but now that void has been filled in his heart and he's experiencing true, lasting fulfilment. As it says in the Bible, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Well, thanks for joining us for Joseph's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was looking at the clock sort of thing and it was blurry and I'm going, oh, it's getting close to school pickup time. I've got to try and organise something for the kids. So I rung my friend and said, can you get the kids from school? I'm not feeling really well. You know, realistically, I just thought I must have had a bug or something. I wasn't thinking that I was having a stroke. It wasn't the normal symptoms. I had just a pain in my neck and it started off as a big headache and then just feeling violently ill. In 2009, Nicole Newsom was going through a normal day when she felt a horrible pain in her neck and felt a bit dizzy. She would later learn that she was experiencing the beginning of a life-threatening stroke. We'll hear her story and how the Lord healed her next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.